0: Welcome to The Afterward. Thank you for listening again. Uh, our sincere hope is that this is somehow helpful to you as you consider who God is and following along the text that we're preaching here at the Town Church. Um, this, this podcast is all about looking if we can go and see some more layers in the text from what was preached the previous day. There's always study that the preacher does that doesn't make it in the sermon, so sometimes that's interesting to talk about as well as other questions that pop up And we want to see more of God for who he is. And so there's a piece of our affections that we want to talk about, how they are affected by the truth of the passage that we read through. So yesterday, uh, oh, I should say I am joined by uh, Richard uh, Nelson, one of our elders here, Josh McGeehan, one of our elders and a pastor on staff, and myself, I'm Eric Reeves. I'm an elder and a pastor on staff here as well. Yesterday, we looked at Galatians 5, verses 1 through 12, and Josh, is going to use his reading voice and read the passage for us. Um, I, I am excited about that, but do we want to do a
1: fun question just to get us going, or do we want to do that as a pause, Eric?
0: Yeah, you can see the difference in our personalities. Huh? Yeah, I don't really want to get into the text. <laughs> <laughs> I am concerned about, <laughs> about it's like you. like therapy. All right, no, let's do it. Okay, let's, so let's, let's start with the a fun question. question. Okay,
1: okay. Uh, so... Every Monday, Eric and I meet and we kind of think, okay, what are we going to do uh for the afterward? And this question came up and both of us were kind of curious about Richard's response, so we want to hear from him first. But the question is, if we were to get a glimpse of your past weeks uh looking at what you've been listening to on your Apple music or Spotify or wherever you get your wherever you download or listen to your record player. Um, whatever songs you've been listening to. Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, so we'll, we'll all answer the question. But Richard, what, what are some of the things you've been listening to for enjoyment music-wise this last week?
2: Thank you for a very uh, great question. Uh, I've heard of Spotify, but I use Pandora. And I have several stations that actually, Karen and I chair a number of stations Uh, One is called Selah, which is the name of a group from South Africa, I believe, and it has a lot of our Christian artists on there. Casting Crowns, um, oh, uh, blanking on this one guy. So that is one that has a lot of different Christian artists. Also listened to one called Peter, Paul, and Mary, and it has a lot of folk Yeah. Uh, Music.
0: I think I've heard of that Uh,
2: one. Have one, the Bee Gees. So I listen to the Bee Gees sometimes. Uh And uh, we have some other kind of uh, Christian stations that are
0: like old hymns or hymns without words, some stuff like that. Uh Oh, yeah. Like chant or just vocal without. No, Uh you said hymns without words. So just the music. Instrumental. It's called instrumental. Yeah, instrumental. Thank you.
1: Do you have a dance playlist, or is that kind of the Bee Gees? Is that kind of your dance?
2: Scripts? Yeah, I can ramp it up when the Bee Gees come <laughs> on. I, I, I kind of do a they soft start shoe doing, in the kitchen.
1: And they start doing that falsetto. I bet you start singing along. I try to. Do you have a dance list, Josh? <laughs> uh, you you yeah, actually I, do, don't you? I do, but it's more like a, a techno, uh, like pop.
0: Do you have a favorite techno <laughs> pop band?
1: Just a mix. Uh, just a mix. Yeah, sometimes okay. Spotify will offer you like top dance mix hits of the of twenty twenty or you know or twenty twenty two, whatever the case is.
0: Yeah, if you really want to mess with Josh McGinn, get into his Spotify, put it on a song he doesn't like, and just repeat because it messes with what do you, what do you the say. The whole You've algorithm. A, the algorithm. So yeah, like-
1: and so then at the end of the year, Spotify says. Uh, you know, some Peter Paul and Mary song is my favorite song, and it's not. It's that just really frustrates you, yeah. I mean, Puff the Magic Dragon. Mm. Uh, or it's I think not your is, that about, is that about is about
0: drugs, Richard? <laughs> I think it's an anti-war song.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: Oh, I always thought it was about drugs. Yeah. Well, it might be. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, well, what about you, Josh? What's well?
1: Uh, thank what's you for asking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am particularly interested in answering this question because. As you know, the weather's been changing, and it's time for Christmas music, <laughs> oh, in no. my opinion. Uh, so I have a special Christmas uh, album that I listen to of traditional Irish songs, uh, including Mrs. Fulgertie's Christmas Cake, um, another Christmas song, uh, I Heard the Bells at Midnight Mass, uh, and some other Irish classics that you've probably <laughs> all heard of, um, so that is one of mine, and they sing it with a kind of a sing-song jingle style. Can
0: you do can you sing one for us?: uh, please. No. Please. No Yes, you but, can. But
1: What I can do, I can do this. If okay. you want to email me at the town church, Josh, at the town church, dot org, <laughs> this is our advertisement, <laughs> the Irish Christmas album. Uh, I would love to send that to you) uh, via the net.
0: And you will regret it. So don't 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 do that. You if will, you do you no. will
1: dance and sing and <laughs> smile and dance and <laughs> sing and laugh and have it'll be amazing. When you or, say
2: dance, is that clogging?
1: Uh, no, that would probably that's probably not as Irish. That feels Dutch to me. Oh. So it's more of an Irish river dance in the kitchen next to your lady. <laughs>
0: or if you regret ever- saying that. If you're ever around the town church during the week, during the work week when Josh is here, you'll hear it as well. Um, just go over to his little workspace, and he'll be playing it, I'm sure, probably now till after Christmas. Yeah, probably January 13th or 15th. Yeah.
1: Eric, what about you? Uh, what would we find on your playlist over the course of the last week? And you can share, honestly, gangster rap. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: <laughs> that was my more my middle school days. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. actually listened to the new King's Kaleidoscope album a lot this past week. Um, great album! That band is incredible. They are so talented. Very talented. Yeah, so talented. So mainly listened to that this past is that week. Instrumental only? No, no. Okay. It's it's just a normal normal album. Lyrics. Um, some's kind of more instrumental, I guess, on there. But yeah. you
2: listen to any like uh, jazz with a saxophone?
0: Yeah, I do that. I did this last week though. I listened to some Bach as I was working. I can't listen to music with lyrics if I have to type or think. It needs to be just classical music. So that was my past week.
1: That isn't the case for me, but maybe I just don't do much thinking.
0: So. No, I, no, I know you do thinking. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> hey, okay, okay, so. Thanks for, got, thanks got, for <laughs> participating in we that. We got the fun question out of the way, so now should we get to some content?
1: Yeah, why don't I read our passage for this week? Uh, so it is Galatians Chapter 5, 1 through 12. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you this. If you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are served from... You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. You, sorry, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persecution is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leaves the whole lump.
0: Leaven's the whole lump.
1: Leaven's the whole lump. Thank you. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Is that In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. who Good job. Um. There's a lot there.
2: Hey, I, could I, you know, Eric, you, in your message, you started off saying like verse one is like a hinge verse. I think that's the word you use. Yeah. And uh, boy, I thought that was really helpful uh, because it's really kind of Pivoting from the the end of chapter four, which uh introduced the 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 two lines of promise there and really the the freedom that comes from uh the promise that uh Sarah had and that generation that came down there, so freedom is introduced in that passage there and then it's really picked up with verse one, so man, I thought that was really good and uh it sets us up for
0: that. Yeah, and a whole really, this whole passage is a hinge passage of sorts, moving away from the theological dense content of chapters three through four, moving into more of the practical in chapters five through six. We we get it introduced again this freedom concept in verse one, and then Paul doesn't really talk a lot more about what that freedom means. Uh, a lot. He he hints at it some more in this mm-hmm. passage, but he provides a lot of reasons for why to stand firm in this freedom. And it's not until this coming Sunday and later Sundays that we'll see more of what is that freedom then that we're supposed to stand firm in practically. How how do we actually live that out?
2: Would you say this is a, a key verse, maybe the theme of Galatians? I've heard people say that.
0: Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, I think there could... Uh, people pull out different key verses throughout this, but it all revolves around the same idea. No. Yeah, that free from the law. It's not where our justification is. be a good one to memorize, then. Yeah. For sure.
1: In that same uh, kind of this hinge passage, as we're talking about, or a lot of people's Bibles will even probably have a heading here that says that Christ has set us free. Uh, So freedom is going to be a big uh, piece of chapter 5 and looking at what does it mean to be free. But I want to talk a little bit about this idea of slavery because uh, 5 still talks about that. And I think the first four chapters of this book have talked about being a slave to the law or a slave to something that isn't a freedom gospel. So I'm curious, how is being connected to the law a form of slavery? What, what do you, maybe as you've studied or your thoughts on this, Richard, what, where do you see why does the law, or on the other side of that, if we live in complete licentiousness, how is that a form of slavery? How is everything outside of Christ slavery?
2: Well, <clears throat> the Old Testament law, and especially if you look at the Ten Commandments, is a good moral compass. I mean, if uh, those things are the the law is good, the Scripture says it's not evil, and it reveals the righteousness of God. It reveals God's character. He reveal just what, what's right and what's sinful. And so I think people thought, wow, this is the way to live. And so this spells out morality for me, and I'm going to do it. And, it, and it. and it's a religious thing. It's not some uh, secular philosophy that came in. And I think people would say, this came from God. And so those are some things that are in it. And so you kind of got in it and so there's a desire, we want to please God, and so to please God, we have to obey all these rules It just makes sense. We're wired that way, our culture's wired that way, mm-hmm. and uh that's uh it's a slavery, in fact, we're blind to it,
0: yeah, and I mean, I'm wired that way too, yeah, um yeah, I think it's good as far as licentiousness goes or um just doing whatever we want as a different form of slavery. Um, Paul in Romans is pretty clear that before we are saved, we are slaves to sin. And so I am a slave to my broken desires before mm-hmm. Christ saves me, before the Spirit starts to renew those desires. And so in a sense, my freedom is freedom to only serve sin through my broken desires. Mm-hmm. I will always choose sin. Even if, even if it looks good on the outside, right? I will still always choose sin. The difference is once I'm saved, the spirit starts to renew those desires and align my desires more and more over time to what God's good, right, and healthy desires are for me. And so then I've got I have freedom through the power of the spirit to actually choose Good desires uh, or good things, because my desires themselves are changing. And so, before that happens, though, I don't have that. I don't have that freedom to be able to do that. And so, you're right; it's just a different form of slavery. There's ditches on both sides of this issue. Isn't it? Isn't that beautiful? Because I think both
1: of them lead to slavery too: obeying the law or doing whatever we want. Both, both are slavery because there is no end means. Yeah. You can always you could always sin more think more of yourself or have more of your glory or more of your desires or more of the things you want met. And on the law side, you can never perfectly keep the law. You can never achieve the law. So both leave you wanting. And whenever you're left wanting, you're unfulfilled. And so you're continually striving. You're continually being a slave to either the law or to your own desires.
0: Yeah, they both promise something. Is,
1: and Christ is complete. The work of Christ yeah. is complete in the justification and adoption that we've seen already in the book of Galatians, that there's nothing we can do except sit and enjoy that freedom.
2: You know, you as you were talking there, I was thinking that uh, because we don't, we're a slave to both either law or licentiousness, we never know where we stand. I mean the it's not measurable, it's is it? It's not measurable. You wish you had could is there a green light that comes on when you've done it enough and the red light comes on and you know you you and so I think because you don't know, you double your efforts. I need to do more, I need to do more, and you almost become a frenzy. And I think some of our religious things going on in our world today are much like that. And do so do you
0: see some examples of that? Or do certain things come to mind, Richard, that you see that seem to be just a little religious frenzy or uh, uh, working, trying to work harder and harder and harder, uh, maybe for salvation, or even to maybe maintain our salvation?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've been to India before, and I've just seen people there who constantly go back to a temple, and in India, there's thousands, if not millions of gods that are there, and so... Which one is right, which one is not, and what do you do to appease this one, not appease it? So it's a tireless and very frustrating struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think we have an I know we have an enemy in this world that loves to keep us in the dark there.
0: Yeah, this ties into a question that somebody asked, I think you, Josh, on Sunday about what is that hot topic within the church in particular, the big C church, so Christendom. Today, uh, we're probably not arguing about circumcision a lot. So what might be those topics or those things that we are arguing about that maybe we are tying salvation to or a way to keep salvation to? Does anything come to mind? Well, we we had a little bit of this conversation. It was a great
1: conversation in our township this last week. Um, And, you know, I think it's, I think it's more subtle than just saying, oh, like like the Judaizers, Christ plus circumcision, or Christ plus keeping the law in order to obtain salvation, which Paul, throughout this book, already has spoke highly, no, that is not the case.
0: <laughs> it's been pretty clear, yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> but I do think in today's society, I think... Well, we'll even talk a little bit about this as we talk about Christian love. What does it mean to love one another?s And so, does love mean accepting all lifestyles, uh, all sexual lifestyles? Does it mean accepting all how whatever you want to do with with alcohol or with um, with your finances? Does it mean everything is completely free? Does it mean that we do do certain things or we don't do certain things and? I think we wouldn't say this person isn't a believer if they, if they do certain things, but I think we, there's a slippery slope there. Mm-hmm. Because I think we can be very judgmental of people that maybe don't have our same theological perspective or social perspective. And so we can think, well, I wouldn't do that. And then as we think, I wouldn't do that, we may think their motives are wrong. And you keep going down that track to thinking, well, maybe they're not even a believer. Mm-hmm. Well, all of a sudden, I think we've forgotten that that friend of ours who may have a different political, social, financial view than us, who's choosing to do different things, we look at those things and we kind of forget, oh, their justification is through Christ, just like mine. And we maybe automatically start assuming, oh, they're not a believer because they hold this view or this view. Now, it's a slippery slope because we do not want to sin. And so, but instead of, I think, judging and condemning other people's actions, I think the loving thing would be to have a conversation. Like, what, what, where did you come to this conclusion theologically? What, why do you hold these Arminian views? Why do you hold these Calvinist views? Instead of just thinking, these views are not biblical, and therefore you are not a Christian, full stop. I think there's a big danger in doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. we've mentioned this a couple times. There's definitely a tension there, isn't there? Because... Christ also says that you'll know a tree by its fruit. And so what we do should be an evidence of an inward reality. And so uh, there's a little bit of a tension there. And, and maybe part of it is how how do you address it or how do you think about it or the kind of questions that you ask or what your assumptions are, right? Instead of villainize, vilifying, is that the word? Instead of vilifying or villainizing, is villainizing even a word? Maybe it's just vilify. No one on this podcast knows. Nobody knows his um, answer. Maybe
1: if you want to write us, uh, info at thetownchurch.org, uh, that would be helpful for us.
0: I have a computer right in front of me, but I don't think I'm even going to Google it. We're just going to leave it. Yeah. No. I'm going to use vilify. I know what you mean. We know what you mean. I vote vilify. Yeah, I said it's vilifying and actually even assuming that maybe this person's, uh, they're not saved because they hold a different position than I do on something. Um, they're still worth a conversation, but maybe we're talking about assumptions or what we jump to right away as well. It seems, isn't, it, isn't this the Christian life that there's always tension around lots of different ways to live? I mean, there's ditches on both sides. And you mentioned ditch earlier, licentiousness or just freedom to live however you want on one side or legalism on the other side. Um, it seems like often my conversations around Christian topics are conversations of tension. We can go too far one way or the other and end and up in the same place. It's, it's sin or it's just unhelpful or unhealthy in either place.
1: Right. Even in that example, both of them if taken to the nth degree, or if you experience someone doing that, you you could question whether they're a believer or not. This person is only living for themselves. They don't take into any account Christian morality. They're, they're licentious, and maybe they're not a believer. Or the opposite, this person isn't really a believer. They're a moral, rule-keeping, pharisaical... Blank, blank, blank. You could call them a ton of names and say they're not a believer. But maybe a conversation would be appropriate to say, hey, where have you come to the conclusion that this is okay? And actually listen and talk and actually realize, oh, maybe we just view things a little differently. Mm-hmm. Again, we're not, we're not promoting sin. We're not asking people to th- believe things that are unbiblical. But I think we're really quick to jump to assumptions when someone doesn't view something the exact same we do, especially on a secondary or tertiary issue.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think of other topics in the big sea church and the wide church of Christendom that might fall into this camp. Baptism is one. Um, some would argue much more strongly that baptism is required in order for salvation. Uh, I know communion is one. The Catholic Church comes to mind in particular that you need to regularly take communion to be barred from that. Brings into question your salvation. Um, maybe some of the more charismatic churches and the gift of tongues starts to hit on some of these topics. Uh, there it seems to be that as required evidence of your salvation. So if you aren't speaking in tongues, then it does question your salvation. Um, so it does feel a little bit like an add on for that, for that conversation as well. It isn't just faith in Christ, it's yes, faith in Christ, but also have to ask evidence in this specific way of being speaking in tongues. Now, we would also say that faith in Christ must evidence itself in certain ways. Paul says that here in this chapter, that it must evidence itself through working through love. But what we don't see in Scripture is it has to evidence, evidence itself in speaking in tongues in particular. Um, We got we got a question that was, that was emailed to us yesterday that I wanted to ask you guys. I think this is a great question. Here's the question. Given Paul's and our current cultural understanding of religion— how do we make sure our listeners aren't just thinking about exchanging one type of morality or set of rules for another type of morality or a better set of rules when we discuss the gospel? So we're not just exchanging, trying to keep the law for a different set of rules. There's something else that's happening there when we talk about the gospel. How do, how do we make this clear? How do we talk about this?
2: It seems,
0: uh, I mean, we're talking about two sets
2: of rules there, but Galatians, if anything, is making... Jesus Christ, the pinnacle thought, and it's the, how you think and live and and, uh, conduct yourself towards Jesus is actually the most defining moment about you. And so Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. the life which I live in the flesh, live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Christ comes inside of us. And that's the whole the beauty of the gospel is Christ is inside of us. He's changing our thoughts from the inside out. And you said something earlier about He brings us, over time, there, He brings us into an alignment between what's right and wrong, and it starts on the inside. We may not be able to point a verse of Scripture to it, but we know that what I'm doing is wrong or something I'm doing right. And so the Scripture is the runway and the Holy Spirit is always working in us and changing us and giving us a desire he gives us a desire to change. He gives us a desire to love. He gives us a desire to turn away from evil things. And so we, we have that relationship that is absolutely transformative. And I, when I think, the question was, there's one set of morality over here and another set over there. There are lifeless words and regulations on a piece of paper that have no bearing on the true life of Christ in us.
1: That, that's good. I would just add one thing. I, I do think that's good. Um, the question had to deal with rules, right? Mm-hmm. One set of yep. rules versus another set. I would think, I, I think simply, and maybe it's oversimplified, but for me it's helpful just to think that the the law that was given uh, to Moses was given, and then there was a response, keep, keep the law. What's different with the freedom we see in the spiritual freedom in Christ is Christ has done it. We have been justified and adopted, and so we are we are called to respond to that. So instead of just do it, here's the law, do it. I've done it, respond to it. So I think for me, that motivation is much different if someone tells me to do something and I do it, or... Someone's done something in kindness for me, and I'm responding to it. It's The motivation is feels very different to
0: me. Yeah, we're no longer trying to earn salvation or keep salvation. and We're responding to it. Yeah, we're responding to it out of gratitude. Yes. And our heart has been changed, to your point, Richard, and our desires are changing. And so rather than us trying to conform something that's external to us, something internal has been changed, and through that should flow over time actions and thoughts and decisions that are more and more and more in alignment with God's will and pleases Him, right? And so you're right. The motivation is totally different. It's gratitude, and it's a love for this God who has saved us. So then we live a certain way rather than we're just trying to live a certain way in order to be saved or retain that.
1: And we're doing it in the empowerment of the one who saved us. So instead of on our own strength. So Hmm. not only is the motive different, but the empowerment is different. Instead of me doing keeping the law, it's allowing God
0: to respond to the grace that he's already showed
1: me in Christ. Yeah,
0: isn't that good news that God is the one who changes our hearts? Amen. He yeah. is the one that gives us right desires.
1: Richard, did you and know me? that you at one stage had a heart of stone, but he's changed it into a heart of flesh? I
2: do know that. Thank you for reminding me of that wonderful news. I like the fleshy heart. Not The stone heart was very painful.
0: It's, it's miraculous. This is what the law could never do. Right. The Jewish law could never do this. Yeah, that's and he, good news. He
2: fulfilled the law, though, right? Yeah. I mean, all this desire to do this, we couldn't do it. He says, "Follow me," and he fulfills the whole thing. It's that's amazing. good news. It is. I'm excited about it.
0: And that's the gospel, isn't it? Yeah. It's been done for us. We have now new hearts, which we could never do ourselves. The law could never do, but now we get to live out of. We get to. To, it's yeah. a privilege to be able to live out of that. And that's where it's freedom.
1: That's, that's where right. we experience the freedom.
0: Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I'm not trying to keep it for some other... I'm not, the only... I'm not trying to keep a law for my salvation, but I'm trying to live in a way that is simply pleasing to a God that I love, and hopefully that love for my God is growing over time. I think that's what Christian maturity is yeah. over time. And so our lives reflect a reality that's changing and growing over time. And you can know it
2: because you see change. You see life change in yourself and your friends around you. Our spouses see life change in us. And wow. And I would
1: say this. I think even maybe for the listener, like if you come to the trail, I don't know if any any 15-year-olds are listening to this, but I think it can be discouraging to think, oh, I don't see life change quickly Mm -hmm. because I think that life change... I can get discouraged if I'm like how much has my life changed? How much am I responding to the freedom I have in Christ this last year? But if I look over the course of my Christian life, I think, "Oh, I have seen God do some things." I was I was sharing with these guys earlier, I think one of the greatest ways I've seen Christ work in me is just the conviction of sin. Yeah. Like I think by being when I was a non-believer, just trying to keep the law, I was like, "Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it." Now I feel like, whenever I mess up, it's not, "Oh, I can't do it," but it's, "Oh,
2: I've." It's wrong. I,
1: yeah, it was wrong, and yeah. it was. I, I got to think of my words here. It was. It was not as God would have wanted me to do. Right. I've, I've, I've not. Kept in line with God. And that grieves me almost more than I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. So again, even the motivation for when I mess up is different than, oh, I'm a failure to, oh, yeah, I disappointed God.
2: Yeah, good, good point. And also, you know, we can, when we ask for forgiveness when we have sinned, He restores us quickly and, you know, we can fail quickly and get, but get up quickly and get going. Knowing that our sin has been paid for in full by the the work of Christ on the cross, Man, that's liberating in itself. Yeah, and I, makes me want to confess my sin. So why not?
0: Well, let's do that right now. Yeah, let's do that right <laughs> now, Richard. Let's <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, to, And to that point, and I think this is relevant. I think I think about this if being under the law or being in Christ. uh 1 John, uh, the book of 1 John tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us. And he also cleanses us mm-hmm. from that unrighteousness. I think living under the law, I, I could try and try and try, but I, it, and there was the promise of forgiveness. But that cleansing or being made new, that's a work of Christ. Christ is the one who not only forgives, but also cleanses us. So I think there's a freedom in that as well. Yeah.
0: One question was, can we provide a clear definition of freedom from the book of Galatians to ensure that there's not confusion around what we mean by freedom? Because every time we say freedom, we're not given a full definition with it. Different people have different ideas of what freedom Mm. is. How would would either of you recap Paul's definition of freedom here that he's talking about in the book of Galatians?
2: It seems like it's the result that you experience when you have confessed your sin and you placed your faith in Christ, His work on the cross that is paid for in full and that uh, He is in your life and you're secure with Him forever. Amen. And so there's that freedom that feels there, that I'm, I'm freed up from all the stuff that has been chained, chained me down in the past, all those rules and regulations, whatever little system we had in place of our perceived righteousness, which was wrong, that has now been, we've been set
0: free. Mm-hmm. Josh, is there anything you would add to that? Yeah. Uh, it
1: it kind of ties into what we're talking about this next week. Uh, but Ooh. I think we... It's
2: I, a good preacher coming up next week, isn't it? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> thanks, Richard. Um, I... I think this freedom in Christ, if we're defining Christian freedom or spiritual freedom, as you phrased it, is it's a freedom, it's a freedom from ourselves. As I think about, so we'll, we'll talk about this. It's a freedom to love others. It's a freedom to love God. Uh, other freedoms, we're still a slave to ourselves, and so I think about other this will give a little bit away for this next week, but as I look at and think about other types of freedom, financial freedom, well, financial freedom is for ourselves often. Yeah. It could be for our families and, but it's a, it's a, even if it's for our heart to make us feel good about our financial freedom, our social freedoms, our political freedoms, like, and that's why I think we get into clashes because we view politics different sometimes. And so, what i may see as a freedom other people may see it as a hindrance or or a barrier so often when we're talking about freedom we're thinking my freedom my freedom whatever realm of of whatever realm we're talking of society politics the economy um our work our f- leisure time spiritual freedom freedom in christ is not for us it's 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 a freedom to live for others. It's a freedom to live for God.
0: Yeah, in a very real sense, Christian freedom is a freedom from something and a freedom to something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. A freedom from the works of the law, like all you talk about, Richard, mm-hmm. works of the law to try to earn our salvation, all the effort that we try to do to earn and maintain our salvation, free from that because of Jesus. But also free to, in your point, Josh, free to love then well, out of a, out of this freedom that we've been given. Not to try to earn salvation, Um but to, so then actually be able to be able to love freely then so we're not doing it to try to earn something or try to get some sort of reciprocal love back but we are freed up to love freely
1: yeah and i think the free, the spiritual freedom is free and full hmm. like a political freedom we will never get all of our political needs met we'll hmm. never have enough money financially to meet every mm-hmm whim and desire of the flesh or of what I want, like what I want could go on and on and Mm -hmm. on. So I think of all these other freedoms. Oh, I'm financially free. Well, are you financially free to buy a yacht or two yachts or seven yachts? Like, and politically, are you free to every desire you want politically at the expense of other people not being free, etc., etc. Freedom in Christ is fully free. Mm -hmm. And the extent is It's eternal. No end. No end and all good.
2: And it's secured. Yes. In full. In full. Good news.
1: That's the gospel again, Richard. Yes, it is.
2: Yes, it is. We need to live it daily, don't we? Because we often kind of get distracted. We have enemies. We have our own flesh. And we got to go back to this, this, idea that I cannot do this by myself. I need Jesus. Uh, We even sang that song, Turn Your Eyes Toward Jesus, you know, and that's the source of all freedom is freedom in Christ. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think even our text said, I mean, Paul was encouraging the Galatians in verse 7, you were running well. Who Mm. hindered you from obeying the truth? And I think we could ask ourselves that. What? What not only who, or but what is hindering us from the believing this truth. There's distractions all over the yeah. place. Like, the conversation we're having right now is not normal. Yeah. And so, yes, sure. we're, we're encouraging each other. We're pers- pushing each other to experience freedom in Christ. But all the rest of our world, even within the church, are we doing this? Probably not often enough. And therefore, the question... Who, is hinder, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Well, I think everything and everyone. Yeah. Like, it's really rare to have this spiritual encouragement to be pursuing a spiritual freedom.
2: Isn't that why church is so important? You know, we need this community here to help us. We need that support. We need the correction. We need the support when the bottom falls out in our life, which it does so often. And probably happens to all of us at some point in life but that supportive community kind of keeps us back on that path of there and we find that just uh, we've never been loved like this before Mm -hmm. an unselfish love which
0: unheard of yeah I think it's really interesting that the Galatians needed Paul for this we believe that God keeps his people he's never gonna let his people go out of his grace because he's able and yet Paul, not Paul, often God uses other people to that end. So a way that he holds the Galatians, for example, is using Paul in his letter to them. Yeah. A way that he holds us out of his sovereignty, out of his grace, is using the church and using other people to warn us and to encourage us. Yeah. And even to model it,
2: I, I want to see this lived out. And I, down through my years as a Christian, there's always been people kind of ahead of me in the race, so to speak, that I could look to and say, wow, this is how that is done. And so I love the fellowship
0: of the saints. Shall I ask our last question? Or did you have something else? Josh? I wanted to ask you
1: one last. I wanted to ask you if there was anything from the text that was exceptionally hmm. uh, interesting or helpful to you that you weren't able to share on Sunday. Maybe there wasn't. And if there isn't, you can go to our last question. But uh, I did want to ask that.
0: Yeah, there, there was one thing I ran across that I didn't incorporate um, there, there's some thought that there was a cult back in back then that had a major worship center in North, in North Galatia, so close, at least close to where this church probably was, called the Cult of Cybele. I think is how you pronounce that. And part of this cult, the priests would castrate themselves um, and do this whole reenactment where this God would rise up again and, and, and that sort of thing. And so... The idea is that maybe Paul is using that for some of the background when he says, I wish that they were to emasculate themselves. It could be also that part of what Paul is saying, they're no different than pagan um, pagan priests, essentially. And so either way we slice it, it's really strong language from Paul, but there may be some of that cultic uh, history context in the background there. Yeah. Interesting. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you do with that. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> But it wouldn't surprise
2: me. I mean, a lot of cults and stuff like that, they'll cut themselves. I mean, we saw that in, in the Bible and uh, the prophets of Baal when they confronted Elijah up on Mount Carmel. I mean, they would get themselves into frenzy and start cutting themselves, you know?
1: Yeah, and I think as, as, if we're going to talk a little bit about that, I think any cult, there's no freedom. Mm-hmm. So, I mean the rules and the expectations and the submission to the authorities within the cult, like it can get pretty hairy. So probably not a, not a surprise. (laughs) Why don't you ask that last question?
0: Do do you want to guess what the last question is? How does this text raise our affections for God?
2: Surprise, surprise, surprise. I'm pretty predictable. Not always. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't know if we even mentioned it in our discussion today, but in your sermon you you brought up the point about do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, which is a command. And for me it's a command that I want to do. I want to do this because I want to stay in the center of God's will. I want to be living a Christian life that is healthy as possible, even beyond what I can do in my flesh, but also supernaturally being lifted along by his inner strength, you know, the, the controlling power of the Holy Spirit. And so, uh, boy, um, that's, a, that's a command I willingly want to do. It's not a have to. Oh, no, yeah. I have to submit myself. Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah, As I, as, I was, as, as I reflected on your sermon... And then, even thinking today about this passage, uh, I don't know if it's. It definitely is has has turned my affections, or just got me really excited. As, and I've already quoted this uh, verse seven through the first part of ten. I'll just read it. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion. Sorry, this persuasion is not from him. Who calls you? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. I love, and you reference this I love that the Galatians had Paul. I love that I have our church. I love that I have this little time to sit with you two on a Monday afternoon and have my affections stirred to remember the true gospel. We just talked about this a little bit ago. There are so many distractions that I, and again, I'm I'm not special, but I, like many, forget the true gospel and add to it, or forget about it, or dismiss it, or just am consumed with other things. So I really, and as much as it's like, oh, sometimes a headache to go to township. Like I love my township. I love that we have these conversations that spur us towards Christ. I love having Christian community. So. I'm thankful that to, in believing the truth even though I've been a Christian for a while I have people around me to continue to rem- that continue to remind me of the truth. I I would be afraid to try and walk with Christ in isolation mm-hmm. because I wouldn't have the continual reminders of the body that hey like are you obeying are you are you are you believing the real truth? the true gospel or have you swayed and I know I'm not above that so yeah. I, it makes me thankful that the Galatians had Paul and Paul had the Galatians probably yeah. we don't mm-hmm. see that side of it yeah no. but also that I have the church and yeah I'm thankful to be a part of a church that would have me
0: yeah yeah the very first verse uh for freedom Christ has set us free man I'm thankful for that he saved me so that I could be free. He freed me so that I could be free and not just be in slavery again to some other hollow thing. And then on top of that, he, it's a sure deal. It's a done deal. He's going to keep me. Um, mm. And that's why I can confidently wait then in verse 5. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Mm. I get to eagerly wait for something that's a sure. Yeah. Because Christ freed me, and he's going to keep me free. No, yeah. um, by His grace. Because yeah. If I didn't do it to earn it, I can't do anything to lose it. All praise to God. My goodness, that's good news. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's good to know God. <laughs> and with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Hey, who <laughs> sponsored this one? I love how we never know until we ask the question in the podcast who our sponsor is. Who, who sponsored us this week? The Bee Gees. The Bee Gees sponsored us this week. That was very kind of them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> No
0: sponsor. <laughs> That's the weakest <laughs> attempt at a sponsor.
1: Nobody else I drew,
0: a, I drew a blank. I, yeah. Yeah. Who would possibly a, sponsor
2: this Is podcast? there a financial <laughs> supporter here? Wow, you never told me that.
0: Thanks for listening. Uh, we will... I was going to say see, but we don't actually see anybody. We will... We're, we're going to hear from you either. Of this. Actually, we would like to hear from you. You could contact us at info at the We'd love to hear your feedback. We hope this is helpful. If it's not, we'd like to know that too.
1: I well, would like to plug my Christmas playlist, so if you'd like it, Josh at org.
0: I would not advise that, but you could. If you wanted to contact Josh for that, you could certainly do that. If you
1: don't want to have fun, don't contact me. <laughs> if you want to have fun, contact me.
0: All right. Have a great week.